0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Welcome on in to the 59th, a.k.a. the D'Amico Ryan's episode of the CounterPoint Podcast. I didn't want to make it the Joe Walker CounterPoint Podcast because, honestly, I can't stand Joe Walker. And he pissed me off a lot. Uh, he's a total fraud and a, and a bad linebacker and every single year he was like that he was a classic training camp guy it's like wow Joe Walker's really showing in training camp well guess what he's a total bust so he does not deserve to be announced as the 59th episode of the counterpoint podcast brought to you by the go birds pod or the GB's pod like we call it here on the counterpoint podcast on today's show listen honestly if we're going completely into the trust tree here the Eagles have stripped the counterpoint podcast of it's funness Uh, you know Trying to come up with funny ways to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles is borderline impossible. Um, it's it's more anger at this point than it is anything uh, because this football team is is pathetic and it's pathetic. Like that that game against the Saints, that for for a Super Bowl champion team to lose to the New Orleans Saints like that is embarrassing. There's no other, there's no better way to put it other than completely embarrassing. Like the Saints, the Saints just like did whatever they wanted for four hours or three hours or whatever it was. And you know we have guys in the secondary who I've never heard of in my entire life. I think like again I don't know who Shannon Sullivan is. Like I I follow football very closely. Every day I see the transaction reports that come in. I never heard Shannon Sullivan's name in my entire life, and for them to just to just fucking keel over in New Orleans was embarrassing. Like I wasn't even that angry. Like the the Cowboys game I was angry. I was sitting outside in the cold. That kind of anger. But the Saints game, it was like, are you guys fucking serious? It was four it was 3 hours. Are you guys fucking kidding me? And you know, it was Schwartz who again, the Counterpoint podcast is not a fan of Jim Schwartz. It was Doug who I guess did not handle the, the, the putting away of the big balls dug meter or scale he didn't handle that well at all because he couldn't get guys open against the Saints defense which is like borderline indefensible um, Carson did not react well to the Carson Wentz chub meter being put away seven points listen the Eagles offense scored seven points against the Saints like that is for, for a team last year when we watched the Eagles team That was it. It looked like a version of the Rams, Saints, Chiefs. That's what the Eagles' offense looked like last year. And for them to only score seven points, it's like, are you guys? Are you guys like, what is it? What happened to my football team? Every time I watch the Eagles, I think, what happened to my football team? Because this is not my football team. This is not my football team. They're not. They can't get to the quarterback, and they can't score points against bad defenses. Like I just want to know. I want to know what has happened to my football team because what i'm seeing right now is like this is like it's like 2012 shit like this is this is this is the eagles that i started to hate like this is this, maybe this is what being an eagles fan is maybe last season was a mirage because right now watching the eagles it's like it's like last season never happened like i thought there was going to be a little bit of a grace period from when i could be like they're super bowl champs they're like i'm not going to get mad about this game but for them to just completely fall flat on their face is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. I never thought I'd see it from this football team. But here we are. So, listen, Eagles. You have ruined the Counterpoint Podcast. <laughs> there's nothing funny about your team. Like I want to be funny with the Eagles. But there's nothing to be funny about. Because the Eagles, like this, this podcast in and of itself is a podcast for the fans by a fan like this is for the diseased Eagles fans and watching them completely fall apart is fucking embarrassing am I pissed off at Doug? yes I'm a pissed off at Doug like Doug Peterson who I thought last year was a schematic offensive genius looks like he was neutered completely neutered not even from the big balls standpoint like I think the big balls are still in there somewhere but just the offensive scheme is just embarrassing no one's open no one can get open for the Seagulls offense. I'm sitting here at Thanksgiving watching Amari Cooper put up 176 yards or 179, whatever. Meanwhile, you go and add Golden Tate and he has like 67 yards in his first two games. And for Mike Groh, that fucking rat, to come out and say, oh, well, you know, we just, we just don't know how to use, we can't figure out how to use Golden Tate. Listen, dude, I'm no football wizard, but first off, a guy named Jim Bob Cooter was able to figure it out. And second off, the guy's been top five in yak for the the past like five years. If you can't figure out how to use Golden Tate, then that's a you problem. That is not anyone else's problem but you. If I have learned one thing about the Philadelphia Eagles this year, it is that Mike Groh is in way over his head. Frank Reich last year, I know everyone doesn't want to hear about Frank Reich, but we have to talk about Frank Reich because Frank Reich, while I think he's been overrated, was a guy that brought Doug a game plan, a good first 15, while Doug was handling Like Doug, Doug puts a lot of pressure on his assistants to, to bring him ideas and game plans, and he game plans with them. And he put a lot of, a lot of stuff on a Frank Reich and John DeFolito's plate last year. And he expected that them to, to pass it down to the rest of the team. There's no better way to explain what has happened to the Eagles this year other than the assistants aren't as good. Do I think Doug is, is had a good year? No, I don't think Doug has had a good year. Because I think, I think Doug relies so much on his assistants to, to carry him in a way. I don't think the assistants do everything. I don't think last year was a Frank Reich, John D. Filippo mirage but I think from a game planning standpoint, like that was it, it was all collective, a collective unit. And this year, Mike Gro has dropped the ball. Mike Gro shot the ball. So from now on, the Counterpoint Podcast official stance is that Mike Groh should be fired after the season. Should be completely gone because I have no interest in any more Mike Gro. Doug, I'm fine with. I don't think this is all on Doug. I think he needs better coordinators. And for him to come into, the se- come into the season without better coordinators was a slight oversight by the man himself. So the guys did not handle themselves well last week in New Orleans. Like, they didn't handle the, the putting away of the big balls, Doug meter, big balls, big balls, Doug scale, or the Carson Wentz shove meter. They don't handle it well at all. Um, Jim Schwartz continues to be dead to me um it 's not totally his fault, like I want to crush Schwartz because I think he 's a fraud, and like if he didn't allow like if if the Eagles lost in the Super Bowl after giving like five hundred and five yards to to Brady and whatever like i 'm not sure he 'd be back, which was would probably be a good thing um but I just want to talk about Carson for one second because i 've seen a lot of Carson slander this week. And I just want to knit that right in the bud. The Carson slander is going too far. Carson Wentz will forever be our savior. And for people starting to doubt Carson Wentz, I hope you know that I and the rest of the people in the trust tree will not forget. Because Carson Wentz Is a damn good quarterback. He's a damn good leader. And yes. He's a third year quarterback. Who is struggling for the first time. Really as an eagle. Carson played a horrible game. Against the Saints. But to to completely write that off. And say well see. D1 AA quarterback. you You can fuck right off. Carson Wentz right now I think is being held back by the circumstances around him. And I know it's like so easy to just blame the the circumstances around a quarterback to be like, well, you know, uh, he's clearly not that good. Listen, all I'm saying is that the offensive line around him has been dog shit. Uh, he, he's not getting time to step into the pocket and make big plays. Like, and, and, and whether you want to admit it or not, he doesn't look as fast coming off of off of the ACL injury. It wasn't even an ACL injury. Like this is another thing that gets straight. It was ACL, MCL, and an IT band. It was all three of that in his knee. Of course, he's not going to look as fast. So Janoris Jenkins, how would you how would you fucking pipe down first of all, saying he doesn't look as fast? Like I, we all understand, it doesn't look as fast. And oh, Sean Payton, you you dickhead. Sean Payton is such a dickhead. I I cannot stand that fucking guy. Like for him to come out and be like, "Oh, we want to put the ball in Carson Wentz's hands." Shut up, dude. Of course you want to. Well, like uh, like what, what are you going to do? Take away the Eagles' running game? Like Carson's the only guy that ha- can do anything on the entire offense. Of course the ball is going to be in his hands. Like at all times. Like it was a, it was a, it was a pointless quote that that fraud Peter King put in his article. Peter King comes out, of course, after being ripped on the Counterpoint Podcast and being banned from the Counterpoint Podcast, decides, hey, this is the week I'm going to talk about the the Saints in direct response to the Counterpoint Podcast, banning him, goes down to the Saints and begs Sean Payton for for a quote about Carson Wentz, like, we're going to put the ball on Carson well, what, Wentz. What, what, what you, dude, you can roll out of bed and stop the Eagles running game. Of course, the ball's going to be in Carson Wentz's hands, like... And, and the fucking stat that that if they score 26 points or more, then they're like 1-11 or some shit. Like, shocking. Teams that score 30 or more points, they don't win many of those games. Sean Payton, all of a sudden a, a, a genius. No, Sean Payton's a dickhead. So, everyone is starting to pile up on Carson Wentz. And I'm just here to say that the Counterpoint Podcast will never waver in its belief that Carson Wentz is the savior of this franchise... And he's going to be one of the 10 greatest quarterbacks of all time. I will take a bet on that guy figuring it out over any other young quarterback in the league. Do I think Mahomes has more arm talent? Yes. Do I think he's a slight product of the system? Yes. Jared Goff? No. Jared Goff is a big N.O. Jared Goff is not a good quarterback. He's a good thrower. Throws a nice ball. But... If you put him where, it's, where he has to make the decisions by himself and not with wonderkind Sean McVay, he's a completely different quarterback. So on this Thanksgiving night, I'm continuing to give thanks to Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz will lead this team to the promised land. There's a lot of people saying, well, we can't pay this guy $100 million. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. There's no better leader of men in the NFL amongst the young quarterbacks than Carson Wentz. And I will bet on that guy figuring it out. Because whether we want to admit it or not. Carson Wentz is in his third year. And I know we want to write off people's careers. Very early in sports. But he's in his third year. Where right now. It's pretty much him. All the pressure is being put on him. To drag this dog shit team. To the playoffs. It is all on Carson right now. And you know what. That's not fair to a third-year quarterback. But I will bank on that guy figuring it out. Because that guy is special. And I will continue to believe he's special. Like, if you can't see that Carson Wentz is a special quarterback and is a special guy, then I don't know what to tell you. Because he is it. He is absolutely it. And I'm steadfast in my belief that he will figure it out. By the way, I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. I... Did have a good Thanksgiving. I was watching So I was watching the Cowboys over at Jill's cousin's house and it was all good. It was good because everyone there was on the same page. While it hurt having to kind of root for the Cowboys. Like obviously you never want to be steadfast like yeah, go Cowboys like like that kind of shit. It was like a all right. Good I'm glad you're winning kind of thing. Like it was a good thing the Cowboys won today. Everyone at the party at the you know Thanksgiving gathering was like, "Yeah, this is good." And they were like, "Oh, I didn't, even, I wasn't even talking." I mean, they know they know who to come to if they want a serious sports conversation. I didn't even have to say anything. They were just like, "Yeah, we're rooting for the Cowboys today." And I like right when I walked in and I was like, "All right, these are my kind of people. This is the family I married into." So it was it was a good first test of of married Jack walking into, well, obviously I've been around their family before, but this is the first time as a married man. So like this now, now I'm locked in. Like I can't leave at this point. So for them to come out and say, yeah, we're, we know, we know what the deal is today. It was, it was a big moment, big moment for me and big moment for Jill. It was one weird moment was when, uh, Jill's uncle was just sitting at the dinner table by himself because he was morally opposed to watching NFL football which I just think is a weird stance. Like I mean, you're depriving yourself of the greatest sport on, on in the face of the world. And for you to come out and just be like, "You know what? I'm morally opposed." Like shut the fuck up and just go watch football with the rest of everyone in America. Another thing, another thing that I want to get to is that is that Thanksgiving would objectively be way better if you just swapped out the turkey for a nice ham. Ham is by far The best meat. Because pig is by far the best meat. Let's talk about a good steak. But for the most part, pig is the best tasting meat. And ham, you can just you can cook a ham. If it's a little overcooked, guess what? A little crispy. A little undercooked, more flavor. Perfectly cooked, amazing. A mixture of both. Turkey, if you undercook, you're fucking on a deathbed. If you overcook it, it's not even edible. When you cook it, you have to cook it perfectly right turkeys are prima donnas the fact that you have to cook them perfectly and then put them like first off the only way you can even eat turkey is if you load it with salt load it with pepper uh mix it together with you know mashed potatoes gravy stuffing and then you can put the turkey in your mouth and like wow that's pretty good ham by itself is delicious now if you want to put a little maple with it sure a little maple syrup even better put a little yellow mustard amazing Way better. But you don't have to do any of that. That's my point. That's my point. And guess what? You don't have to be stingy with with the ham. Like the prima donna that is the turkey. So I'm just saying, if everyone wants to be happy at Thanksgiving, because everyone, everyone, when they get in their cars and leave Thanksgiving dinner, it's like, wow, the turkey was disgusting. Because turkey, in and of itself, is disgusting. So why don't we just switch it out with ham? Ham is the perfect meat. It comes from a better tasting animal and it's more diverse. I just, if if people want to be happier, I think ham's the correct way to go. I I don't know what else to tell you. That's all I got. Switch it out. All right. That's literally the whole rundown. And I also decided I I this is a counterpoint announcement. I am I am putting the roast or uh, the counterpoint of other teams on hold because I don't, because the, the record is bad. Like the record's bad when I roast these other teams, so I don't. I feel like I'm kind of jinxing the season. So I'm gonna, I'm not gonna do it this week. We'll see if the Eagles win. If they win, it'll be on the back burner for a little bit. So we're not gonna do that this week. Let's just jump right into the counterpoint mailbag. <laughs> All right, counterpoint mailbag. Not a, not a loaded mailbag. You know, I need more for me, people. Just kidding. You guys are great. Um, From Tom DeSauro, hey Jack, I think it's time to revisit revisit the Carson's drive was due to lack of sex theory. Thank you. It was a good theory. Um, He looked like a quarterback who was not taking out his sexual frustration on the other team last night. Maybe the team had a no sex for Carson pack last year because the whole team looked that way. Should we start a GoFundMe for a chastity belt? I think we should because Carson Wentz does not have the same drive since he has started, started having sex. He's getting angry on the sidelines which I'd never seen from Carson. He seems sexually frustrated. Maybe you know, maybe things aren't going well with Carson. Um, but that wasn't a problem last year. Because his mind was completely clear of sex because he knew he wasn't gonna have it. It's a lot like Costanza. I mean Costanza, when he stopped thinking about sex with no sex what's her name, I forget her name, uh, her mind was completely clear. Or his mind was completely clear and he turned into a genius. He remembered everything. And that's kinda where I'm at with Carson. Now that sex is on his mind, and maybe he's not good at it, maybe maybe that's why his play is has been subpar. Maybe you know, maybe he went over to London after the game, had too much sex, and since the London game, quite frankly, hasn't been great. I think you're onto something, Tom. We will revisit. It's one to monitor, I would say. Um, from Stephen Kotspolos. I I, I butcher it every time. I'm so bad with it. Hey, Jack, can't say I'm happy at the moment, but I can't say I expected any different. I had a few quick questions for you. Has there ever been a team with this many injuries? Are these injuries the main reason we're struggling, or is it the offense? And final question is, do you think the Eagles will ever value the running back position uh, more seeing how much of a game-changer guys like Barkley, Kamara, Gurley can be for an offense? Thanks, Jack. Yeah, so, um, yeah, sure, they're banged up on offense, but it's also the healthiest they're going to be. Like, I just refuse to believe that... Tory Smith having like a burner is the reason why this offense can't open itself up. Like I just I fundamentally I fundamentally do not believe that. I don't think Jason uh, Peters is having as good of a year. Kelsey, um, Lane Johnson, there's not giving him as much time. And yeah, not having a Belcal running back I think has a lot to do with. And I hope that um, Howie goes into next season saying, Hey, we need to get some kind of good running back in here because Clement, Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood—it's just driving me insane. So yeah, no, I do not want to see those guys back next year. I mean, obviously in reduced roles, I'm fine with Corey Clement oh, or Josh Adams to an extent, but they need a they need a guy in here. They need a guy in here. I I, I agree. They I hope they learn that learn that lesson this year. Uh, yeah. So um, from Wingman, top five Thanksgiving side dishes. Uh, listen, I just think I think stuffing is the goat. I had I had sweet potatoes with brown sugar crusted on the top tonight which has vaunted itself right to the top of my list. Um obviously mashed potatoes once you mix it together with with turkey. Um I don't know like those are kind of my ones like everyone tries something different. Cheesy potatoes I've had in the past they're very good. Um I don't have a top 5 like I kind of just eat everything. That's why I'm overweight. Um, from Jack Fritz, legendary at Jack Fritz fans. Uh, again, I have a fan account that is not run by me. I promise you. Is Eli Manning the most overrated NFL player ever? No, that is Joe Namath. Um, but Eli Manning is definitely up there. And I just, I just, I pray to God he is not getting the Hall of Fame. Because he doesn't deserve it. I don't, I don't want to put it. First off, when you're thinking about players that you feared in the NFC East, Eli Manning was never ahead of Tony Romo and Tony Romo's not going to get in. Take those two Super Bowls and get out. From Papa Rog, Dear Jack Fritz WIP, you love starting all of your mailbag questions with that. Do you still have trouble sleeping at night knowing you lost the vegetable race? You close your eyes for a well-earned rest after a long day practicing your Matt Lombardo impression, the shuffling feet plodding on the red dirt, the flap flap of soft felt, dreading the dawn, the inevitable mo- inevitable moment when you've... When you've When your very sanity is put to the test as you sit at your father's table and someone asks you to pass the broccoli and you bitterly yearn to right past wrongs and simply enjoy a day of thanks. Hope you're well. Love always rock. I walked into the broccoli race knowing I was not going to win the broccoli race because I, for my entire athletic career, was always slow. I was just disappointed I had to do it. I I thought I was going to hit 82 miles an hour. I did not hit 82 miles an hour. From Barchetti. if Julio caught the, that ball in the playoffs, would Doug still have a job right now? Figured I'd spin this around since he says that they're only a few plays away from flipping the script this year. Yeah, Doug, stop saying that. Like Enough with the fucking four and six. It we're a few plays away from really figuring this out. Like, Just stop, man. It's embarrassing. Stop doing that. Uh, it's not a winning mentality. It's, 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 it's teaching your players like everything's okay. Enough with it. Um, do I think Doug would still have a job right now? Well, see, probably... He would definitely be on the hot seat because the locker room would be completely different right now. I think so. Because the locker room would be like, all right, this guy hasn't done anything in two and a half years. Time to move on. Uh, from Michael Capignaro, um, can we make Mike Groh the official enemy of the Counterpoint Podcast, replacing John Barchard? It's going to take a lot to replace John Barchard because he is definitely the enemy of the Counterpoint Podcast. But Mike Groh... I think it's a fair assessment because Mike Groh was not, like, didn't do, yeah I, he probably helped Nelson Aguilar last year, but no, Mike Rowe is dead to me. His his stupid comment the other day it was like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. When he said that the other day, I said to myself, this guy does not know what he's doing here. So the, Mike Rowe is officially the enemy of the Counterpoint Podcast, replacing John Barter Congrats, John. And from Brian Chapman, who is the Phillies starting third baseman on opening night? Uh, I will say JD Davis. If you listen to the Counterpoint Podcast, or if you listen to the High Hopes Podcast, you will know why it's JD Davis because I love JD Davis. He's my guy. Uh, Quickly, what's the line saying? So, been completely off this year, as you all know. I hope no one is taking my bets, but uh, I will say that this is an absolute stone cold Eagles line. They're favored by six, which is just downright shocking and borderline absurd. But, that's what they're favored by, so we're going, go, we're going to get back that. And I would, I would feel pretty confident in the Eagles on Sunday. I don't know why I'm confident, because the Eagles have given me no reason to be confident, but I am because that line is telling me something, and that's telling me it's going to be an Eagles win on Sunday. And actually, I mean this time, like they're gonna win. It's all gonna be fine, and we'll be back. next